What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week, this week and every week. In this upcoming episode, myself and my co-host are going to give our thoughts and opinions on the Ed Oliver incident. And also, in this episode, we're going to discuss why there isn't more of a rivalry between the UB Bulls football team and the Syracuse Orange football team and how it could potentially benefit both schools from having a bigger rivalry. So stick around and let's have some fun. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. To start off the show, I'm going to introduce my co-host for this show, my buddy Mark. He is here joining me again. Mark, thank you for joining me this week. Always a pleasure, buddy. Oh, fantastic. Are you ready to jump into some things here? There's some Bills news before we get to the meat and potatoes of the show that I want to talk about and I want to get your opinion on. So are you ready? Let's have some fun. <laughs> Thanks for stealing my my lines, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, so star defensive tackle at Oliver got arrested last night, I do believe. It is all over the place, all over Twitter, all over the news and in sports you know, pages and things like that. He was arrested for suspicion of DWI and unlawful possession of a firearm. Uh, what What is your take on the whole situation? You know, talk about a story to wake up to this morning. Um, definitely wasn't ready for that, wasn't expecting it. But that seems to kind of be the trend in the NFL right now with the off season, <laughs> there's been quite a few guys getting themselves into a little trouble with the law, uh, and at kind of a rapid pace, but you never want to see that happen to one of your guys. But unfortunately that's the case here with Oliver, um, based on what I read, the worst thing that can happen to him. I mean, outside of what happens to him, you know, with the law in and of itself league, um, punishment i think the worst is a two-game suspension so that would definitely put him out for the first two games of the season do you think and do you think he should get suspended i think it's inevitable whether he should or he shouldn't I, it's just that's the way it works right now and i'd rather i'd rather deal with what's happening rather than what I think should happen or how it should happen. Like, let's just, here's the deal. Regardless of what anybody thinks, this is how they operate. So this is what not only fans have to deal with, but obviously, you know, organizations, the teams have to deal with. So I, I would, at, these are the kind of moments where you, you further tip your hat to the kind of off season that Brandon Bean and company have been able to put together because now they're faced with a situation where they're, they're losing one of their star defensive linemen for the first two games, but they've done enough bringing, especially veteran defensive linemen talent and guys that are able to kind of move along the line. You know, this is where your depth comes in is moments like these. I, I don't think I'm as nervous or upset, especially if it's the first two games, like, you know, I, I don't, one of them's a division game. Sure. But I, I really don't think it's anything to worry about like I said they did enough to bring in veteran help and hopefully you know given given the state of things I think everyone's kind of on equal footing so regardless of who's playing everyone's kind of getting the same prep time and whatever so I'm not too upset about it it's disappointing but 
you know, stuff happens, he's young, learn, and hopefully this is just a one-off thing and we won't have to talk about it anymore. Were you surprised that it was somebody like Ed Oliver who appears to be such a high-character guy that he's caught up in something that's kind of so silly? And I want to do, I want to clarify too, I, you know, I know it, that the, all the, the articles and things like that are saying that he was caught with like unlawful possession of a weapon, which makes it sound like the, the firearm wasn't registered or illegally obtained or something like that. He lives in Texas, so it's obviously very easy to obtain a firearm in Texas. Uh, from everything I've seen, it was a registered firearm. The only thing that made it illegal was that he was drinking and driving and had it in his car also. So it's not like the guy was out there, you know, shaving off serial numbers on the bottom of the, you know, on the bottom of this gun, you know, and, and, you know, trying to be some sort of, you know, thug out there in the streets and things like that. You know, he lives in Texas, you know, that's just, it's a very normal thing in Texas to have a firearm in your vehicle or in your home. So I just wanted to, for whoever's listening, kind of clear up a little bit of misconception that might be out there. And also as far as like the fans go, I haven't seen it a lot on on Twitter at all, but people are saying that Bills there's people in Bills Mafia talking about how they should cut him and how they should, you know, get rid of him and he's no like what are these people talking about? Seriously. I, I don't know. It's they they're mistaking what their perception of the culture and I, I guess I have to put that in the quotes, the culture. Um that Bean and McDermott are trying to put together there. It's not a culture that is is so strict that you mess up and you're done kind of thing. Like this is a culture where you know they want disciplined, football driven, you know, players. They they want these guys to be as committed as you could possibly be to not only the team but the game. But they're human beings. They, these guys realize that. You know, mistakes happen, and I, I would even say, depending on what the mistake is and what the story is in and of itself, like you said, it's important to put these things into context, you know, had he been anywhere else, you know, outside of the state of Texas or, or what have you, this might look worse, you know, but it's, it's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who wears a cowboy hat and rides around on a ranch on his horse. You know, this is just a way of life for, for people that live in Texas. So, I mean, the disappointing thing is he's, he's driving around with a beer between his legs. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think the gun thing maybe isn't the worst part of the story. It's probably the DWI because, again, it's in context where was he pulled over? You know, what are the laws there? Because that's what matters. So it's, it's one of those things where you have to put your opinion a little bit off to the side and just look at the facts. So it, it is kind of crazy that people are calling for his head. I, I don't know what that's all about. That's just knee-jerk reaction. There's some people that are just a little bit too crazy with their opinions um but i'm not worried i think he's fine yeah no, um, no doubt he's fine. i also i also have to apologize i said that like the first two games one of them was a division they're actually both were playing the jets and then the dolphins so i mean that it, it sucks a little bit that you know our first two division games were missing you know last year's number one overall pick for us but again they did a real good job building up the the depth and bringing in veteran help and guys that are familiar with the system so um, again, I don't, I'm not too worried about this whole Ed Oliver thing. It, it'll blow over, I'm sure. I really hope so. Obviously, with the everything going on, it's kind of, it kind of, it's 
dead completely in sports. So anything that ESPN and everything, you know, everyone else that covers sports can latch onto, they're going to, of course. I just was curious about your opinion and to go back and touch base on what you were saying about the fans wanting, you know, wanting his head and not really understanding the culture. Essentially, I mean, Brandon Bean came out himself and said it. He's like, look, we're not, when you're, you guys are talking about the culture, we're not looking for choir boys necessarily. We want high character guys that are really good football players. Like that's, that's what we're trying to build. It's not so much like, oh, you know, you can't, you know, do this or do that, or you're going to get cut. You know, it, I feel like what they're building is more like of a, a family type culture, you know, where if one of your guys messes up, all the other guys are going to be there for him and the team is going to be there for him and the coaching staff is going to be there for him to try to get him through the the tough time, the tough situation or whatever, you know, the mistake that he made and try to make him a better person at the other end of it. That's kind of what I think the culture that they're building in Buffalo is. And I just wanted to put that out there. That's my, that's my take on what they're building. That's what I see, obviously, as just a fan from an outsider's opinion about what's going on and the things I've seen and the things I've read. So that is, uh, you know, the fact that people are calling for his head is is way, that's just way too much. It's a little silly. And I mean, if you guys want, you know, these athletes to be choir boys, then you're, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you at this point because you're, you're completely misinformed. People get DWIs and stuff all the time. Not saying it's right that he should have been doing that. It's obviously a very, it's not a very good thing and it's a very dangerous thing, but you know, he's a human being and human beings make mistakes. You know, nobody was hurt. He didn't, I mean, he did technically endanger people, but you know, nobody was around, nobody was hurt. And that's the most important thing. Not only that, but they're talking, you know, you're talking about cutting him and stuff like that. If he gets suspended for two games, he's going to lose two games paychecks and what, I think it was like $6.8 million of his signing bonus or something like that. So this mistake is going to hurt him in his pocketbook a ton. Like, this is a very, very, very expensive mistake, depending on how things, you know, work out for him as things progress here. So that's all I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to get your opinion on the whole Ed Oliver thing. Obviously, it was a very weird thing to kind of wake up to. You don't really expect that with a Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean-led team that your guys are going to be the ones that are getting in trouble. But, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to get your opinion on that and throw it out here and, and you know, for the people to hear. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of this show. And we're going to talk about the UB Bulls football team and why there isn't more of a rivalry against a Syracuse Orange team that is a very short drive down the road. And, you know, to start this whole thing off, Mark, I'm just going to let you kind of get into some details about things like that because I know that you did a, a ton, a ton of research on this. So why don't you go ahead and start us out and, and you know, get us going. Yeah, well, I want to thank you for kind of giving us the platform here to talk about this because I know it's one of those things that, you and I, you and your buddy, we're, we're sitting there in the stands and it's, it's something you kind of bring up maybe in, in, in between halves, you know, you're sitting there, you're thinking about things you know, you're, you're trying to figure out different scenarios where the team gets better or the crowd gets bigger or just how does the program build up? And you and I have always agreed that, you know, given the state of New York 
as far as college football goes, like the quote unquote powerhouses of, of college football, I think regardless of order, you know, Syracuse, Rutgers, and I would say Buffalo, like those are the three most recognizable college football teams in the state of New York. And given again, the proximity between the two cities the two schools, you'd think that they would have played each other more than I think it's been 10 times total. So the two teams, I, you, I think yeah. in your, your thing, it said they played eight times total eight times, over yes. the course, right. over the course of like a hundred years. And they've only played right. since their the, inception. Right. Yeah. They've only played each other four times um, since the, the UB bulls have gotten themselves back into the FBS division. Right. Absolutely. So uh, what we want to do right now, I think we're going to jump in the DeLorean, you know, we're going to go back in time real quick. Cause I, I we want to paint the picture. You got to get the idea of, of why we decided to start looking into this topic. So go back to 2007, the Apple iPhone made its debut Cal running back Marshawn Lynch that everybody is familiar with. Cause he was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft by the bills that year. Comedian Drew Carey replaced longtime host Bob Barker on the popular game show, The Price is Right. And our beloved Buffalo Sabres were, at the time, Northeastern Division champs and President Trophy winners. Can we all just have a moment of silence for the Sabres that were, please? Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> so, all right, so... Again, that year, that was the last time the Bulls football team went up against the Orange was 2007. They lost 20-12 to 12 at the Carrier Dome. And like we said, in well over a century, they've only played eight times. And two of those, those victories that Syracuse has had over us actually ended up getting wiped out by the athletic scandal of the early 2010s. So as of right now, out of those eight times, Buffalo quote unquote officially holds a three to two record over the orange, a winning record. So take that for what it's worth. And that to me, just the fact that they haven't played each other more often is a real shame. And it's a lost opportunity. Uh, I know the common argument usually is what does Syracuse and ACC school have to gain from facing a team like Buffalo, a Mac school? To me, the answer is a lot. So in order to kind of, to make our argument for us, I think we need to start by taking a look at the current state of these two teams and what they have to offer in 2020 and going forward. So as far as the bulls go, uh, since 07, uh, they're, you know, they hadn't really had a whole bunch of winning seasons, uh, up until 07. I think, uh, their best season up until 07 was like five and seven since joining the FBS, which was the last time, like you said, the last time they played Syracuse since the last time the bulls played Syracuse in 2007, the bulls have had eight players drafted to the NFL including one of the most feared linebackers in the NFL right now and the highest paid in Khalil Mack. He was drafted fifth overall out of the University at Buffalo. The Bulls won their first ever bowl game in dominating fashion against Charlotte in the Bahamas Bahamas Wanted Maker Bowl or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, they've also been bowl eligible for three straight seasons, 
making bowl appearances in the last two seasons. One of those seasons was a 10-win season, the first in school history. And last year, as you know, the Bulls were very, very close to being a 10-win team again. You know, a couple of late-game gaffes kind of prevented them from being a double-digit win team for the second straight year. And as far as, uh, you know, the Bulls go, they have been trending upwards over the last several years, as I have been mentioning. Lance Leipold is doing an unbelievable job here in Buffalo, making them a very, very relevant team, and not just um, making them relevant. He's he's developing very, very good talent. The Some of the best players on the UB Bulls right now were guys that were essentially, you know, very, very low star rated recruits. You know, Jarrett Patterson, we're talking about him potentially being a day two pick if he has another good, you know, another good season like he had this past season. He was a two star recruit that he had one other division one offer, I believe, something like that. And he comes to Buffalo and look how they've developed him and made him into the player that he is. They have a, a pair of defensive ends. Um, that are potentially NFL draft picks, you know, day two, day three draft picks, depending on how they perform in this upcoming draft also. So the Bulls are developing a ton of talent. They're putting a very good product out onto the field, and they're really, really making a name for themselves. A lot more people, I think, are starting to pay attention to Buffalo, especially since somebody like Khalil Mack, who is one of the best defensive players in the entirety of the NFL, came out of a small school like Buffalo. So something like that really helped put Buffalo on the map. So that's kind of like why we started to think like, man, what, like you said, what a wasted opportunity to not have a bigger rivalry with a team that is a short, short drive down the road or down the I-90 into Syracuse, you know, it would be a fun rivalry between the two teams, I think. You'd have a ton of fans come to Buffalo when Syracuse came to Buffalo. You'd have a ton of fans go to Syracuse when Buffalo went to Syracuse. And I think, like you were saying, that it could potentially benefit both teams. My thing was, like, I know you were you were talking about how it would benefit Syracuse. I think you have a little bit better grasp on why it would benefit Syracuse than I do. So why don't you tell me how you believe it would benefit Syracuse? And I, you know, I can say, I can talk a little bit about how I think it would benefit the Bulls to to play a team like Syracuse. Okay. So, I mean, it's no secret that there's a long crowd and rich history with the Syracuse football program. And, they have amassed a ton of success since their inception back in 1889. We're talking national championship team, conference titles, incredible winning bowl record, 20 consensus All-Americans, Heisman Trophy winner, over 200 NFL draft picks. I mean, you name it, the team has accomplished it. And they've got just a laundry list of just the most high quality hall of fame type of talent to come out of there that the football world has ever seen. I honestly, you, you asked what would they benefit? Now I'm, I'm explaining things that make you go, wow, this is a really successful school. And you know, 
they're a big program and they're in a city where they don't have any sports teams. And you'll hear me probably say that a couple times. <laughs> and why would, why would they want to play Buffalo? Well, again, like I said, I think that it, while maybe right now it doesn't make them look any better or maybe even worse. I mean, it probably depends on who you ask, but I think at the very least for the popularity of it, for the pageantry, for the competitiveness. I mean, like I said, we're, they're only separated by just a little over 150 miles of highway. There, I, I remember when the basketball team went up there and played in 2018. You and I went to that game. Yes, we did. We took it was, the two and a half hour drive. Yeah, we went. Yeah. We took the two and a half hour drive up there. It was spectacular. Yeah, it was amazing. We had so much fun, and that was just the basketball. And we were, you know, a Cinderella Mac team. You know, we were good, and people heard about us, and they liked us. We had talent, but it's Syracuse basketball. I mean, if 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 Syracuse football isn't popular. Syracuse basketball might as well be the end-all be-all up there for sports. I mean, they're, they're another one with a, a, a rich legacy up there. Absolutely. But we went into there. Yeah, we went into there. You know, the, the Carrier Dome, it gets packed, especially, again, for NCAA basketball. But we weren't the only Bulls fans up there. I nope. mean, we saw plenty of them fill up the seats there, and we met a ton of them, you know, at pit stops on the way back home Yeah. later that night. So it was exciting. And again, why wouldn't it be the other way around? Why wouldn't people from Syracuse come to Buffalo and fill the seat there? You know, it's it's exactly what you want. You and I have been to enough bowl games too that, you know, we're like, you know, there there, there should be more people here. This is an exciting yeah. team. There's a lot of talent. You know, people are missing out. What's sure. not, you know, what 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 is the team missing? And I know that sounds like, well, that benefits the Bulls. Well, no, because what happens too is you bring a team like Syracuse to Buffalo you know, you're going to have people traveling from Syracuse. And, and what does that do? Like when people from Toronto come to play, you know, you know, fans of Toronto come when the Maple Leafs come down here to play the Sabres. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you pack the house if for nothing else to just defend your city, right? Like there might be people that aren't even completely 100% hockey fans or Sabres fans, but they show up. It's something to do. They, they spend their money and they go out and, you know, they love the rivalry. Whether they yeah. know anything about it or not, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's fun. It's exhilarating. You, you could just, the atmosphere is electric. I feel like the same thing could absolutely need to be. Because again, it's like a territorial thing. You got those guys from Syracuse coming down here to Buffalo. They're packing our seats. No, uh, uh, we're going to spend the money. And then what happens? You, you gain a fan base. Maybe a fan base that, they didn't even know would like, you yeah. know, and the same thing. Like you got that fan base. We're going to travel up to Syracuse because they come down here. Well, we'll it's only a two half hour trip. We'll go up there. We'll defend our city. And it's a good time. I lived in Syracuse. You can go up there and have a good time for a day or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. For you sure. can make a weekend out of it. There's plenty to do. And that's good for the city economically. That's good for the schools because again, people are going to go up there. They'll spend money on a ticket, yeah. food, merch, whatever. You know what I mean? Maybe. And then you, you just you grow a fan base. And now, again, you have this rivalry that's just growing and growing and growing. Yeah, and so maybe it's important for these two teams to continue success outside of the rivalry. Oh, for sure. Going as well. Maybe you can bring some people from Buffalo up there, too, and they 
may, you know, might not have thought about going to Syracuse, you know, maybe a family brings their kids or whatever up there. And maybe the kid ends up deciding to go to Syracuse just, you know, because they like the campus, they like the stadium, they like the atmosphere, they like being out there and they're close enough to home that they can still, you know, come back and visit mom and dad and everything like that. But they have that independence. So yeah, it could benefit the university as far as um, like building a fan base back because they have not had a ton of success over the last, I would say, what, five years, 10 years, aside from a 10-win season uh, two, year, two years ago. I think it was two years ago they had a 10-win season. Outside of that, they haven't been, you know, really a marquee ACC team. They haven't been that national championship team that, you know, every everyone that is from the Buffalo area and Syracuse area really knows, you know, if you're old enough to, to go back when they had, you know, some marquee players and they were going to national championships and stuff like that. I think now, exactly, especially now, like when we're talking about it, when you think about it now would kind of be the time to kind of culminate a rivalry between the two teams because Syracuse can build a fan base back. Maybe Buffalo fans start, cheering you know people from buffalo start going to syracuse games they like the atmosphere out there they like that it's you know jam-packed whatever and syracuse will get some games against you know maybe clemson or something like that where you have guys like trevor lawrence coming in and you get to watch these guys play before they go into the nfl you know it could absolutely help syracuse in that fact and also for the bulls you know the bulls are up and coming it could help build their fan base playing teams that are marquee like a Syracuse. It's a big name that's on the schedule from a power five conference that the bulls don't normally get to play. So it could benefit both schools in the fact that this is the time as far as like, you know, Syracuse is kind of on the down UB's kind of starting to come up a little bit so they can benefit each other by playing each other right now and help building their fan bases back up or build Buffalo needs to build a fan base period, but you or Syracuse can help by building their fan base back up to make that a more electric place to be. And maybe, you know, who knows, maybe other recruits are coming in and they're seeing that and they like that rivalry and they want to be a part of that. And, you know, it helps schools in recruiting and things like that. So it's very possible that, you know, it could potentially benefit Syracuse a little bit more than a lot of people really believe that it could. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's one of those, it's kind of a conundrum because logistically, when you look at it, you go, okay, Syracuse isn't a team. It used to be Buffalo isn't a team. It used to be, and it's kind of reversed. So we, we talked about all the success that Syracuse had and they've kind of crashed down to earth a little bit. Buffalo, while they had, you know, some really nice seasons. They've never been, I don't think as nationally recognized and as strong a team as they've been in the last few years with Leipold underneath, you know, or, or up at the top of the, the heat there. And it's almost like maybe they've balanced out a little bit more, or maybe it's just, you know, it's still tipped in Syracuse's favor, but Buffalo is kind of coming up and it's, it's leveling the playing field. But you wonder, you go, all right, so now, like you said, now seems like the time to do it, right? Because it's more of an even keel, kind of like it, it should work in both teams' benefit. Yeah. But 
I, I haven't heard from anybody from Syracuse. Like, I, I don't know too many people in Syracuse that are like, I, in the short time I was there, I didn't like meet any fans kind of thing and get any perspective from them. So I, I wonder, you know, do they look at it and go, well, if we lose to, you know, Buffalo a Mac team, that doesn't help us. You know what I mean? But it's like you schedule, you know, you have to schedule non-conference games anyway. So if you lose to any one of those teams, it, you know, it, it looks bad. Yeah. Same thing with us. We schedule non-conference games and we lose. It's not good. It doesn't look good. You know, you, you schedule these non-conference games because you're expected to win kind of thing. You know, that's, yeah. that's especially for that's power belief, five schools, anyway. especially for power right, five exactly. schools for sure. But I just, like you said, I feel like it's too much of a no brainer to me for, for both cities, for both universities that something can get worked out. Um, like I said, I haven't talked and I've reached out to the athletic director at Syracuse just as we've reached out to UB. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that a little later, but you know, I reached out to both because again, I want both perspectives when I'm approaching a topic like this. I'm not just going to look at it from my lane. Um, I didn't hear back from them, which was disappointing, but hopefully in the future, you know, we'll be able to talk to them and figure it out. Um, but I, I, the other thing I, I like too is there's, I've seen local talent, by local I mean from Western New York, that's gone to Syracuse University and played up there. There should be that, that kind of draw, too, that, oh, you know, there's some of our guys, local guys that are playing for them. I'd love to go see how they're doing and, and check them out. And vice versa. There's been guys from Central New York that have come down and played here. So, you know, there should be that draw as well. Like, oh, you know, they're only, you know, a couple hours down the road. Let's go check these guys out. Maybe there's fans out there who've seen them play since high school kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. There, there should be that appeal, too. Like I said, it's such a resource that's so close to one another. Like, even if it was like, again, I, I mentioned Rutgers earlier. It was like the power three in New York State was Syracuse, Buffalo, and Rutgers. And we played Rutgers before. Like, we've beaten Rutgers. So, if you know, why shouldn't all three rotate kind of like, a New York state rivalry. Why shouldn't that happen? Why shouldn't, you know, Syracuse and Buffalo play each other a few times in a row and then switch to Syracuse and Rutgers and then Buffalo and Rutgers and then vice versa, you know, just kind of keep a, a fresh interstate rivalry. That should, that should generate interest. That should make people excited to see those kind of things. Those are the games that you, those are those premium games. I would even say that you pay to go see. Yeah. Cause there's going to be those big talents, top talents that, and even local talent. I know there's a couple of guys from from Buffalo that I, I believe played in Canisius and a couple, uh, maybe another high school here in Buffalo that are playing in Rutgers right now. There's a quarterback, Cole Schneider. I believe, uh, I can't remember the high school he was from. And then there's a wide receiver down there. I think they're both sophomores or uh, they were registered freshmen last year. They're playing down there in Rutgers. I would love to see those guys play, you know? Yeah, just and to I would see love how to see the local play talent Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The game I saw, the football game I saw in Syracuse, I went up there specifically to see Kadri Olsen play and he was playing Pitt. So it was, it was Pitt versus Syracuse and it was an awesome game. Believe it or not, Nathan Peterman was the quarterback for Pitt. Yeah. They, that game. Yeah. You told so me I that got before. A preview. It was kind of, uh, yeah. Was a little bit I got of a preview of Nathan you. Peterman. I got to see some local talent. I got to take in the Syracuse atmosphere and the carrier dome. It was so much fun. I mean, it was great. It was a good time. And that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And I feel like both teams can can experience that if they can get something started. Um, but, but like I said, we had reached out to both. 
we had reached out to Syracuse Athletic Department, Buffalo's Athletic Department, and we actually got lucky and was able to to hear back from Buffalo's Athletic Department. Now, it wasn't Mark Allnut, even though that's who I, I emailed, but we did get a response back from the assistant athletic director, Mr. Daniel Enzer, I believe his last name, and you talked to him, actually. So what was that conversation like? Yeah, uh, you know, I talked to him a little bit, and we wanted him to come on the show with us and and talk to us a little bit and have a little bit of a segment so that we could kind of dissect what they feel like is a reason why maybe there hasn't been more of a rivalry between the teams. And obviously with everything going on in terms of, you know, the money aspect from college football and things like that, they respectfully declined. They didn't really want to get into something like that at this point, you know, not even knowing if there's going to be a season at all this year, which hopefully there is. And hopefully there's fans because I want to go to games, but you know, we talked a little bit about it uh, off the record, essentially, and, you know, not to put it all out there, but, you know, he was telling me, he wanted me to understand, obviously, that there are, the schedules are made quite a few years in advance, I'll say. And it's, and it's done in a system that is kind of used by all teams. So as far as that goes, you know, it's not like a, the basketball schedule where they schedule teams the year that they play them, essentially. You know, when UB plays their basketball schedule, they schedule those teams during the summer or whenever before the season starts so that, you know, they have a, a full schedule when they play. But in football, you know, the this Kansas State game and, uh, and the Ohio State game that the Bulls are playing this year were already scheduled on the schedule three, four, five years ago for football. And I asked why that is. And, you know, obviously it's kind of a, I, and he, he didn't really have an answer for me. And I didn't really know because I was just kind of curious. I just, you know, just wanted to see just because, you know, why that football does it and basketball doesn't do it. But I, it must have been something that has been happening for a very, very long time that, you know, even he wasn't really aware of why schedules get made that far in advance. Maybe it's lo- a logistical thing, or maybe it used to be a logistical thing, and now it just he has to keep going, simply because all of these games are already scheduled. So now they just, you know, when they go to schedule games, they just schedule it five years in advance or six years or you know whatever in advance. So, but you know, he gave me a little bit of insight as to that, and he he did tell me that there have been discussions between UB and. Syracuse, some good discussions between the ADs, and that's essentially where we left it as far as that goes. You know, I didn't want to pry too much into it and and try to put too much of the business out there because he was nice enough to take our phone call and, you know, talk to us a little bit off the record about, all you know, all the things that are going on essentially. So I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to put our entire conversation out there, but it was it was nice to hear back from him. It's nice to know that you know, they're listening to us, they're listening to the fans, and they're, you know, they're interacting with the community that they're in right now. So it's, it's um, you know, it was a good conversation. And like I said, I'm just, I'm happy that he reached out and, you know, was able to kind of clarify a couple, a couple things for us, even if he didn't want to join us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. That was well said. Um, definitely. And another thank you to, to them for, again, caring enough about their fans to, 
to talk to us even briefly. Um, I, I did look into the scheduling of Syracuse versus Mac opponents. Cause again, I'm, we're looking at it from a Buffalo fans perspective, but I, I always, with stuff like this, you always want to dive deeper because there could be more underlying reasons why they haven't played us, you know, in so many years or just as often period. And when I was looking into this and, and we never got a confirmation on this, on whether this was by design or just coincidence. But when I looked at the, how many times Syracuse played Mac opponents in the last 20 years, there was an even split between games played against the East division of the Mac and the West division. So Syracuse has played eight games apiece between each of these divisions. So they've played us four times. They've played Akron three times and they've played Miami of Ohio once. So that's the East. On the West, they've played Central Michigan three times. They played Toledo twice in Western Michigan three times. And I believe they have a future game against Ohio, the Bobcat. Out of, they have that game scheduled in the future, which will make it nine games against the East and eight against the West. But I believe there's another game, too, against one of the, the Michigan teams um, that are, are scheduled, which, again, nine and nine. So. I don't, I don't know for certain if this is again done by design that they're splitting up games against the MAC conference or the MAC, excuse me, just the MAC on purpose this way so they they play everybody and give everyone kind of like an equal shot at Syracuse, or if it's just a crazy coincidence. I don't know. You know, speculate if you will. I'm 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 inclined to think there's a design to this. I, I I find it hard to believe that these people that I'm put in charge of doing this do this by accident. But maybe maybe it's just we have to wait our turn again because they we're we're the ones they played the most so far out of the mat. They played us four times where everybody else has been played you know three two times whatever. So maybe it's just hey we need to give these other teams a shot. Wait your turn, Buffalo, and we'll get back around you, kind of thing. I don't know. I, I, what do you think about that? Do you think that's that's probably the case? Uh, I mean, probably. Honestly, it's probably just a coincidence that they're kind of split between the the two conferences in the or the two um, divisions in the MAC conference itself. They're probably really realistically just trying to give everyone a shot. You know, it's just one of those non-conference things that Syracuse schedules that you know, like most power fives have on their schedule, they're really just trying to get a W and gain some confidence against, you know, what is being seen as a lesser team in a lesser conference in college football. So I think that that obviously plays into it. I think maybe they just choose the MAC conference because it has the MAC conference lately, especially lately has definitely produced some pretty talented players and that have gone to the NFL and done tremendous things so it's it's a lesser opponent, but it's good competition to be able to to go up against you know the other ACC teams and have that confidence and know that they can play with some of the some of the you know best players in in college and and um, 
you know, really compete with them and, and beat them. You know, it's it, when I think when Power Five schedule, like I said, I think when Power Five schedule uh, non conference games against the lesser, you know, the quote lesser teams or the the smaller divisions, it's essentially so that they can just gain confidence, they can win. So that's why when we talk about Syracuse not maybe not having a whole lot to gain from it, and especially them kind of being on the downturn and and the Bulls being on the uptick. As far as performance goes, it's that's that's what we're you know that's what we're talking about. You know, when Syracuse plays a Buffalo, no one's really I don't think a lot of people were really expecting a Buffalo team to win it all. But it, I think especially now, in the last three seasons at least, uh, since Leipold has able to been able to kind of get his recruits in here, I don't think it would be much of a shocker for anyone in Buffalo that follows the Bulls if they did beat a Syracuse team. Um, I think it would be a shock nationally because the Bulls don't get a whole lot of attention being in the MAC conference. Um, but for us, it wouldn't be a huge shock. And like I said, that might not be a good thing for Syracuse. And that maybe that plays into a little bit as to why Syracuse doesn't play the Bulls a little bit more often. My other question for you is why, what do you think needs to happen? for the two teams to play each other a little bit more? Part of me wants to say Syracuse is waiting to see if Buffalo can prove that they're more on their level. You know, you're, I almost look at it like big brother, little brother, right? So let's say Syracuse, obviously in this case is big brother. And, you know, you kind of pick and tease on the little brother for a little while. You have your way with them. And eventually the little brother grows up, right? And they grow up a little more and a little more and they get a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter. And eventually they're getting closer to being in level. And the big brother takes notice, you know, not so much of a pushover as he was before. You know, he's, he's fighting back a little more, he's a little stronger. So you, you, you peak a little interest, but you still kind of keep them at arm's length, but you could only do that for so long. So maybe within another year or two, the the Bulls can kind of prove, hey, we're for real. We're a good team. You beat us sends a message, right? Yeah. And I think that's what Syracuse needs to see or hear is that we can't be so much worried about you beating us being, you know, a big deal for us or a big deal for you. It's got to be if we beat you, it's a big deal. Yeah. You're a non conference yeah. game, whatever, but. If we beat you, it, it helps us in some way. We got to do good in our conference, yes, but we need more eyes on us by beating other good teams too. Yeah. You know, within your conference or otherwise. So if you're viewed as one of the top teams in your conference and you've consistently been so, and you've not only dominated your conference, but you've also gone on and had bowl victories, which again, we've only had a few bowls got our first one last year. So if that's the continued success, if we could still churn out talent, right? If we could still recruit talent, if we can consistently get to a MAC championship or at least get to the, you know, the MAC finals, if we can go and beat another team in a bowl game, get a couple of, like that kind of stuff matters for when you're making a schedule or teams are looking to play other teams. Like, what can you do for me? That's what they say. Right. So, I need you to be strong so that way when we beat you, people know we're for real. 
we can't just have it where we're expected to beat up on you. And if you beat us, it makes us look weak. No, that's, they want to go, are you a strong team? Okay. Well, I want you to be strong, but not too strong. So if we go head to head, and even if I squeak out maybe a field goal victory against you, it still looks good for us. So I, maybe that's, I don't know, but maybe that's what they're waiting on. But my thing is, even if they lose, the competitive juices for an organization, not an organization, but a, a university like that, an athletic program, wouldn't you want to go, I don't want my little brother getting the best of me. I want a rematch, right? Yeah. Isn't that what we do? If, if you and I go out and we play one-on-one and you beat me by a bucket, I'm going to want to read. I went, hold on, wait a minute. Yeah. Same thing. Where if you beat me in poker, give me a chance to get my money back. Let's oh, go again. Sure. One more round. Yeah. So what happens? If you keep doing that, if you keep trading blows back and forth like that, that's, that's what builds a rivalry. It's just constant one, one-upsmanship. So there's, there's a lot to gain, I think. And especially, like you said, right now, it's, it's, this is the time to do it. Or within the next three years, like that's the time frame. I'm, I'm dying to see it. I want to see it. I want to have that kind of rivalry. You know, I love obviously the rivalries that are built up within the conference, but you know, I want to see us starting to have some success against these bigger schools. I want to like see just outside the conference. I just want to see rival like rivalries period. Cause like you were saying there, there might be some little rivalries or whatever uh, with us and some of the other uh, colleges in the Mac conference. But I don't like. There's no locational rivalry. You know what I mean? Like, there's locational right. rivalries like in basketball. Like Duke plays, you know, North Carolina and stuff like that. They're so close to each right. other that, it, and the teams have been good for long periods of time. That that kind of helped build the rivalry. You want to get in on the ground floor, essentially, right now. You know, Buffalo's on the way up. You know, they're on the rise. And Syracuse, right now, they're trying to rebuild themselves to get themselves back into the position that all of the people that are old enough to remember where they used to be, essentially. So this, I think this is the time you start building it on the ground floor. And maybe in 10 years or 12 years or 15 years, you have that that very, you know, mean rivalry, like the Virginia-Virginia Tech football teams and things like that where the, these guys are going head-to-head and and it packs the stadiums, both stadiums, no matter where they play it, a home-and-home home or whatever. It'll pack both stadiums and it'll really, maybe it'll get them a better, you know, better TV deals, better TV time, whatever, because everyone likes to watch a rivalry, whether it's the teams that you like, your teams that you cheer for, or it's just teams out there in the sports universe, you enjoy, and everyone enjoys a rivalry, especially when the teams are pretty evenly matched and can kind of go back and forth blow for blow. And I think that is the situation that they're in right now for both teams. I think that the talent level between the two teams is such that it can go back and forth. It can be blow for blow. Obviously, I'm being a little bit biased, and somebody who's a Syracuse fan might say something like, well, we still get four-star recruits and high three-star recruits and five-star recruits and whatever. You know, UB's not getting necessarily getting those big recruits, but as far as being able to uh, develop the talent that they have, they've done a spectacular job one of the best running backs in the nation in Jarrett Patterson was just a two-star recruit. And they're talking about 
him being one of the best three running backs coming back into college football, in all of college football. So that's what I mean by talking about the talent level is kind of on the same page with one another. You know what I mean? The Bulls are on the rise. They almost had a, a, they should have had a, you know, back-to-back 10-win seasons. And then now, you know, they could potentially go up against a Power 5 conference, you know, ooh, scary Power 5 team you know, and have a chance to really compete with them. And it would create that rivalry of them being able to go back and forth, blow for blow, essentially. And I think a lot of people would really, really enjoy that. Not just UB fans, but I think Syracuse fans would really enjoy that also because... Yeah, and to, yeah, yeah. And to your point, I mean, you, you said it when, like, oh, they're the bigger school, they get the better recruits. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I, to, I said it before, you'd hear me say it more than once, and not to be the dead horse, but... Buffalo is a, it's a smaller school in a city dominated by professional sports. That's just, that's the God awful truth of it. Where Syracuse itself is the powerhouse sports entity and identity in Syracuse. It's Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball. There is nothing else up there. You know what I mean? The closest thing, the closest thing to a professional team that they have is their AHL team that's up there, the Syracuse crunch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that's about as close as it gets up there for them. So, again, when you think about a less than ideal college market, a limited recruit, you know, limited recruiting options, and a lack of consistent success, when you compare it to Syracuse, you said it. The Bulls have done one heck of a job making the most out of what they do have to work. And and yes, they have cultivated and consistently churned out players. You know, just across the board, whether it be in the NFL, CFL, what have you. Okay. There's, you know, there's a list of players that are very recognizable and some of them are larger than life. (laughs) Yes. And they, they, they recognize and they honor those players. And you ask any one of these guys and they will tell you how awesome the school is, how great the facilities are and what they're turning into over there. Like I said, it's, it's nothing but, the arrow is doing nothing but training up for Buffalo. And since Syracuse hasn't really done anything, but maybe I don't want to say they've been on a decline, but they're just kind of middling around right now. They haven't moved too far up, too far down. They're essentially they're just treading kind of, water. They're treading water. Yeah. Perfectly said. They're treading water. So if that's the case, then we're just, we're ready to meet them there. And that's the jumping off for this rivalry that we keep talking. Absolutely. And we talk about the Bulls potentially being on the rise. One question, it's not necessarily related so much to the Bulls and Syracuse rivalry, but it was something that I toyed around with in an earlier episode. I talked about how one of the teams was leaving the AAC and how maybe the Bulls could be in contention for maybe an invitation to the American Athletic Conference, which a lot of people are saying is a very, very strong football conference, um, you know, with teams like Houston and things like that. Uh, um, what has to happen for some a team like the Bulls to join either a Power Five conference or like the AAC? I think it's the same answer that I gave when you asked me about what has to happen for the Syracuse rivalry to happen. It's just more consistent. Um, 
you you've got you you mentioned it's the AAC. You've got teams like Cincinnati, UCF. You've got East Carolina, Navy, Houston. Like, granted, these aren't the the top billing of schools, but I've seen a lot of talent get churned out from these schools. A lot of a lot of really talented athletes choose to go to a UCF or a Memphis or a Houston. You know. So you're definitely, I, I think in comparison, obviously to the Mac, your, your talent level is going to rise up. Your competition is rising up. So you better be able to keep up with teams like this. Cause they're, again, these are more nationally televised, nationally recognized. Like they've got a popularity factor that goes with them. So in order to be considered to be added to a conference like this, you have to show, you know, bowl victories. You have to show conference championships. You, I, I think the recruiting will come as a byproduct of that stuff. And especially if you move to another conference, yeah, you'll be able to attract, you know, these higher star recruits, these higher rated recruits, because now you're, they're looking at Buffalo and they're going, wow, that school not only doesn't provide a great education, but, you know, it's a football town, number one. You know, whether it was started out as a football town for professional football, people love the sport up there. They're in a con- they're in a conference now that the level of competition, if I go there and I play against these guys and I do well, I'm going to definitely get, you know, picked up by recruits and possibly even drafted high. Again, it's it's just about success. You have to have success, and the building blocks for that success are definitely in place. I we had, I had mentioned not just the talent and all that, but I had mentioned you know the facilities over there, which I think is a big selling point for them right now. Is yeah. what they've done with the field house, um, what they've done with the football center, the things that are yet to come. I don't know what they are, but there have been rumblings of more to come. Yep. So based on what I've seen so far, I'm excited. And I'm pretty sure plenty of young athletes coming in there would be excited too. I think you are correct in that fact. And that is going to wrap up the show for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. My buddy Mark put a lot of time, a lot of effort into this show. He did a fantastic job. Maybe one day if we can get enough money together to get a website for ourselves. We can go ahead and post that on the website so that you guys can read it. He may post it on his Twitter. If you look at uh, Nickel City Sportscast, he, he's over there. He's always tweeting out some pretty interesting things. He's a good guy to go follow over there. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's Sports Talk Buff one uh, on Twitter. You can hit me up with an email at sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com or Sports Talk Buffalo at gmail.com. You can also uh, leave me a voicemail right on the Anchor website if you want to be featured or have your opinion in a future episode. You can also hear me on any of the major podcasting websites. So if you are spreading the word, if you are telling your friends or family, hey, these guys are fun to listen to, they have interesting things to say about 
you know, the, the, the Buffalo sports scene, they don't cover just the Bills, they don't cover just the Sabres, they cover the UB Bulls and the recruits that they're getting in and things like that. They're pretty interesting guys, and they're fun to listen to. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the, you know, the one that I record this on is Anchor. So go ahead, let them all know. They can hear me right here. Thank you very much. Mark, thank you as always for joining me on this show, and you guys have a good week.